Homeschooling isn't just about education. It's about your kids, it's about your family, and it's about a lifestyle. Hi, my name is Jackie and I'm the founder of Homeschool Think Tank. The Homeschool Think Tank Parenting Podcast is about community, family, education, and life. I believe that these are the things that matter to homeschool families. Tune in each week and let's talk. I'll bring you a message from my heart, an expert interview, or an interview with the ultimate homeschooling experts, homeschool families like yours. Remember to check the link in the show notes below and you'll find an article that corresponds with this episode. Finally, remember to visit homeschoolthinktank.com for more information about how we serve homeschooling families. All right, let's get started with this week's episode. So if you have ever felt lost as you try to help your kids navigate their emotions, today's episode is for you. So several years ago, back in 2019, I interviewed therapist Kim Restivo-Lang, and I was recently going back and re-listening to some of my older episodes, and I thought this particular interview was so good. Now, from the very beginning of Homeschool Think Tank, I have been drawn to having guests that talk about emotions and feelings and mindset on my podcast. And back in 2019, I was not a certified life coach, but I am today. And as I listened to this episode, I realized how much of what she is saying in this episode is so similar to what how I've been trained as a life coach. So while Kim specialized at that time in helping adolescents through their emotions, I help parents as a life coach work through their emotions and have better awareness around their thoughts and how it's impacting their lives because I see what a huge difference this can make for you as a parent as you homeschool your children. And when you learn better skills around that, then you're also better able to teach your children how to deal with and handle their own emotions and how to find better thoughts that serve them better. So I really cannot wait for you to hear this episode. It really is so good. Now, if you are interested at all in life coaching, I want to suggest that you check the link that goes with this episode and you will learn more about how I help homeschooling parents as a life coach. So I'm a homeschool consultant and a certified life coach, and I combine those skills to help parents show up as the homeschooling parent they want to be so that you can succeed at homeschooling your children. All right, enjoy the episode. Yes, absolutely. Hi, Jackie. I'm really excited to be here with you today and to share a little bit about Growing Up Confident and basically how to help kids uh, navigate their emotions and how to help us as adults help kids navigate their emotional world because sometimes it can be tricky and we just stand there with that deer in the headlights look 
So a little bit about me. I am a child and adolescent therapist. I've been in private practice in Wilmington, North Carolina. I've been practicing for, gosh, I'm coming up on 20 years now. And as you shared, I'm also the founder of Growing Up Confident, which is um, an online blog and and website for educational purposes. And then there's also our membership community, which is for parents and educators and other professionals who are basically coming together to support each other and to discuss, uh, have deeper conversations basically on all things about kids and their emotional world. So... I love your, your education, your history, and all of your experience, how that is all combined to helping families. How do you define confidence? For me, there's a, a lot of different things that weigh into confidence. And the one that I focus on is kids being able to really understand their inner world and being able to speak to others about their emotions without them being wrong or without them attaching shame to them. Um, that kind of connects a little bit with the negative thinking also that we all make mistakes. We all think negative thoughts about ourselves. We all try things that don't work out the way we wish they would. We all have embarrassing social experiences, especially in middle school. And then it's just when we are kids, we don't know what to do with all of this. And we're looking around and we're seeing other kids that on the outside or on the surface don't appear to be having these same difficulties. And so what we do is we internalize that message that there's something wrong with us, or there's some reason this hap is happening to us. And it must mean because we're bad or we messed up or we don't get something or other people see something that's not valuable in us. And so what I found from my work with kids and families is really that I want them to love themselves. And what that Mm -hmm. comes from in my experiences, really knowing that, oh, I got mad about this. You know what? Most people get mad about that. Oh, okay. Really? That's normal? Yeah. Getting mad about things that are unfair or unjust or push our buttons, that's a normal reaction. The next step is then what do we do? do about the mad because we don't want to do things that get us in trouble or revenge seeking revenge and things like that 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 kids default to just because that's what anger tells us so it's kind of helping them figure out like what else can we do how can we have these experiences that are just a normal part of being a human and not make ourselves wrong for them and that is the core of what we're doing to help kids grow up confident So why don't you explain to us a little bit about how you define negative thinking and then tell us a little bit more about where you want to go with that. Yeah, and it is, it is, um, I use these strategies myself. So they are helpful, whether you're a child or helping a child or an adult with negative thinking. Um, And basically negative thinking can have a, a couple different areas that it focuses on. One is the, you know, I'm no good, I stink kind of area. And that's where we're just mentally beating ourselves up. Another one is the what ifs. That's more in line with anxious thoughts or anxiety. What if this bad thing happens? What if that bad thing happens? What if this? And so there are two types of thoughts that I work with kids a lot. And I work with the adults in their lives a lot to help them learn one, to normalize them, that these are thoughts that we all have. We all make a mistake and it's like, oh, why did I do that? What's wrong with me? Let me beat myself up. Or what if this thing happens? I should not maybe do that. 
or over planning, overthinking is another way that it could be uh, unhelpful. I don't know if it's negative, but overthinking that ruminative where our thoughts just keep going and going and going and replaying conversations that never happened or may never happened and plan for this and plan for that. So it's helping kids at the core identify what type of thoughts they're having that aren't serving them or supporting them and then helping them kind of walk through them so that they can find ways to quiet them. Okay. So what causes this negative thinking when when kids can sort of beat themselves up? Well, I think just being human (laughs) causes it. (laughs) I think we all have them. I I think some people are more sensitive and more wired to respond to them than other people. You know, I don't have the science behind that, but I can tell you from my experience working with kids that some kids can let things roll off their back easier. Some kids are more externalizers where it's your fault or you did this. And some kids are more internalizers where this thing happened because it's my fault and I did something. And so internalizers will be more apt to have some negative thinking, self-disparaging thoughts, beat themselves up internally, that kind of thing. Okay. So if a parent is recognizing that in their kids, do you deal with it the same way? Yeah. The first thing that I would, that I support kids with is basically exploring the thoughts. So we have a discussion together about what kind of thoughts are getting you down. What kind of thoughts are making you worried? What kind of thoughts are making you sad? What kind of thoughts are making you angry? And sometimes we might even make a list and write them down because we have to figure out what it is that causing them to distress. Like I said a little bit ago, is it the what if thoughts? Because then we just focus on those. Is it the I stink kind of thoughts? Then we focus on those. Is it, you know, I need to get revenge on other people kind of thoughts? Then we focus on those. So it's kind of helping them. The first step is what's really going on. Let's take a minute. Let's have a conversation with our children, not a conversation um, where we're telling them what they should or shouldn't be doing, not a teachable moment conversation. There's plenty of times for those. This is more of a let's explore this together. Something's going on where your emotions are getting big. And so we're going to talk about what thoughts might be driving those emotions. And I just want to share here that there are some kids, just for a a caveat there, some kids don't know what they're thinking. They will say, I don't know. And if you try to wind around, I don't know, they will get very upset because they honestly don't know. And if that's what's going on for your child, then you want to be able to say, I just label it the uncomfortable feeling. It's like, are you having the uncomfortable feeling? Yes. Okay. Then we'll talk about the uncomfortable feeling, especially if they're more younger, the four or five-year-olds will be more apt to this. But I do have eight and nine-year-olds that they cannot, they just don't have the skill yet to identify the thoughts. So it's okay to ask the questions. Hey, what are you thinking about when this happens? What are you thinking about when you get so sad or so mad or so worried? But if they stick with, I don't know, then okay, you just are having an uncomfortable feeling. Yes, because some are just in that body sensations place, and they're not in the thought place yet. I see. I think that's really helpful for the parent to even just be able to put a label to it. Now, let's say a kid has these negative emotions, and they're really struggling. The parent wants to help them, but they don't necessarily want to talk about it. And I don't think in the moment is the right time. 
I think outside of that moment is a better time. But how do you broach a conversation like that? And how do you actually get your child to engage with you and participate in it and not withdraw? Yeah, I think that's gr- a great um, question because it's what it's, it's normal to see all of that. <laughs> One mm-hmm. of the things that I found is really helpful is, um, well, first, totally agree with what you said, not in the moment. In the moment, the focus is just helping them calm down, helping them soothe, empathizing with them, kind of normalizing what they're experiencing. So that's in the moment. The second thing is when you are having kind of um, what I call co-creative conversations later on where you're working with the child to kind of create some solutions, you know, it's simply, I say simply, but it's not simple. What you do is simple, but all the nuances are not simple. Saying, you know what, I'm noticing that we're kind of having some struggles with this. And you just share. It seems like you're having really big feelings when this happens. When I ask you to go to bed, it seems like you're having really big feelings come up and it doesn't look like it feels good for you. It looks like it feels bad. You're crying. You know, you want to stay with me. It just seems like you're really having a hard time and I want to help you with that. So you come from that place of connecting and helping and then you can kind of explore, um, usually I explore body sensations first. Like, you know, what are you feeling in your body? I'll even share that for me, anxiety is in my chest. It feels like a rock and a bruise and a knot all kind of right in that area. And it's like, ugh. And then I ask, you know, other people feel it in their belly. Some people feel it in their fist. Some people feel it want want in their head. You know, what body sensation do you get when you have that big feeling? And it would be the same for anger or for sadness. What, what do, body sensations? Mm-hmm. And then you can go into what kind of things are you thinking about? So that would be the next thing. What are you, what are you thinking about when you, your body's feeling like this? You don't want to go to bed. What are you thinking? I'm thinking you're so mean for making me to go to bed early. Or I'm thinking there's creepy monsters in my closet. Or I'm scared, the one all around Halloween here, I'm scared of clowns. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so you're thinking about clowns. Yes, I am. But I'm like, okay. And then the, you go into kind of co-creating solutions, which is, okay, if you're having these body sensations or you're having these thoughts, what can help to quiet them or soothe them or calm them down? And they'll, nothing, nothing works. You're like, okay, but what if we do some experiments or we put on our detective hat or scientist jacket and we just try some stuff and see how it goes? And that's kind of how I have those conversations. And then we create, I just call it the thought shield. And we, it's an activity I use with the kids, and it's basically what they put their strategies on. What tools do you want to use to calm your body? What tools do you want to use to quiet your mind? And let's try them. And then the next time the thing comes up, oh, my goodness, you're having big feelings right now. We might have even named it. You know, if it's worry, it might be Mr. No-Bed or, you know, Mrs. No-Bed or whatever, the No-Bed Boogie Monster whatever the kids want to name it, they can have fun with that. It looks like the no bad boogie monster is trying to boss you around right now. Should we get out the thought shield? So the naming of it, that's something I've learned about. When you name the emotion, it's like you can detach it from yourself. 
it, it, it becomes less personal when you can name that emotion. And I think that's something that most people don't really know. I, you might be able to speak to that better than me, but I yeah. didn't know it. It is definitely one of the core things that we teach. We talk about um, normalizing the experience. We talk about being curious about what's going on. We talk about empathizing with the, um, what's going on through empathic storytelling. And then we also talk about this one, which is called externalizing the problem. And it goes back to a branch of therapy, um, which is externalization. And it helps you, it helps everyone, kids, adults alike, to detach their ego from the problem. Because if I feel like I'm saying, Jackie, your anxiety is acting up right now. You need to quiet that down. What you're hearing is you have anxiety or you have anger. You need anger management. Let's use your anger management strategies right now. You're hearing that the problem's inside of you, and that is not what builds confidence for anyone, our kids included. So what we do with externalization is we help detach it from the ego, which for many kids, nothing's foolproof for everyone, helps them be less defensive because you're not coming at them as the problem. So they don't have to defend themselves. They're not backed into a corner. They don't need to come out fighting. What you're doing is saying, Mr. Worry or Mr. No Bed or one of the, who was Stinky Poo was a child that was afraid of the toilet. And so it's like, Stinky Poo's bossing you around night now. Let's use your tools. What do you want to try to, you know, does Stinky Poo need to go on vacation to the beach? What do you want to do? And so it's figuring those things out. But I will say, while we've got all these tools in our pockets, the most important thing is creating this with your child so that they have buy-in. Have them name it. They love naming it. Even if they just, one was named Bob. I don't even know, but it was Bob. So we're like, okay, Bob bossing you around right now. Whatever they want to do, because then it's theirs and they can have some ownership and they'll, they'll be more apt to use the tools than you just, here's some tools, plunk, use them. When you co-create okay. them together, it's so much more powerful. Even, let's say you have a teenage child, like a <laughs> young teenage child, that will work with them too? They probably aren't going to name it Stinky Poo, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they could name it, you know, my teenagers mostly will call it what it is, worry thoughts or, you know, what if, they'll use what if thoughts, they'll use beating myself up. They'll use things like that. They, my teenagers, and except I have some really creative ones that like to make comic books and things like that. They'll give some fun names, but most of them traditionally will be more concrete with their naming. Most kids will get more concrete as they get older. So the thing is that it's not, you have this problem. You need to get this under control. You are making a mistake by having these emotions. It's guess what? We all have emotions and we all have emotions that when they get too big, they take control and we do things or make choices that we maybe don't want to make or we are a fetal position in our bed because that's the most we can do that day. That's adults too. And so yeah. allowing kids to know that this is all normal. Yeah, yeah. So I jotted down a few notes while you were talking because you said some things that I really love and I want to know more about. Tell me a little bit more about the, did you say empathic storytelling? Is that what you mm -hmm. said? Yeah. Tell me more about that. 
Yeah, empathic storytelling is just a way um, that I found to really help make empathy a little concrete for adults because it's bandied about a lot. Be empathize with your child, empathize with your child. And a lot of the adults I was working with, the parents I was talking to, they're like, well, I tell them I understand how they're feeling. And kids are like, wah, wah, that doesn't connect with me. And they say, I, I know how you're feeling right now. They're like, okay, did you read that in a book? And so we take it kind of that step deeper. When you share a story from your life, that's the storytelling that coincides. It might not coincide with the experience they're having, but it coincides with the emotion they're having. Then they get that sense that you really can connect. Or, in, which in my case, just due to my job, I'll tell um, stories about other kids having similar experiences, not breaking any confidentiality, but, you know, I bet a lot of kids on the first day of school are really feeling uncomfortable and scared to walk in and their what-if thoughts are going full force. In fact, I know they do because I talk to them and they tell me that, so you are not alone in this. That makes a much okay. deeper impact on kids than... Yeah, I know how you're feeling. So that's okay. what empathic so then, storytelling is. All right, so the empathic storytelling is geared more toward the parents, more than yes, for the it's children. The mm -hmm. It's okay. something you're doing to help them the, normalize their emotions. Well, and that's something I can see is going to work with teenagers, too. I know I've done this very recently with my oldest daughter. I told her about a time when I was younger, and but I, I wasn't intentionally... I, 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 there may have been some subconscious intention, right? But not, it wasn't something I really knew about. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So I'm grateful to know about that now. Yeah. And I, can I just add, like, yeah. these five, you know, five things that I'm sharing, they work with whatever age child you are talking to. You just change your language. You just change the language you use depending on their developmental level. So if you start with being curious and exploring the roots of what's going on for them, if then you move to kind of let's normalize the experience, this um, big emotions are normal for what you're going through right now. Let me empathize with you by doing some empathic storytelling. And then let's externalize the problem by naming it in some ways and making it outside of you. And then let's come together to co-create solutions or next steps. Those five things work. I use them in my practice with all age groups. I just talk differently to four-year-olds and have different expectations for the capacity of four-year-olds to navigate these things on their own than I do with 16, 17-year-olds. Now, I'm curious, do you like have a worksheet with all of these put together? I have some articles I've written, but that is an excellent idea, and I will make a PDF for your community. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Right now, I'll make I a PDF, thought... especially for your homeschool think tank community. I just thought that would be a perfect little resource. So I'm going to ask you, do you have any specific activities that would be good for a homeschool parent to do with their kids that you want to share? Yeah, but I, I think one of the um, best activities, and I get a lot of people signing up for it, is just a simple way to start with which is my Inside Out Emotions chart. So it uses the characters from Pixar's Inside Out movie, and it has them 
on a little bar graph basically. And it just allows kids to rate where their emotions are. So it gives us the opportunity to talk about that our emotions are always changing. It's a way to show how you're feeling without having to talk about it because sometimes we don't want to talk about it. And, you know, some people use it as like a little weekly journal check-in. Sometimes people just use it in the moment. But it's a way for kids to show their emotions using markers and a paper and the fun little Pixar characters without having to kind of dive too deep into things when they might just want to let you know stuff. I hope that you found today's episode to be so helpful and so useful. I know I believe Kim's suggestions and advice in this episode are so good. So I want to remind you that you can go to homeschoolthinktank.com slash interviews and you will find information about the PDF and the things that Kim is offering to you in this episode. And you can also sign up for a consultation with me because as I said at the beginning of the episode, I help parents as a life coach. I help you show up in a way that serves you and your kids better so that you can succeed at homeschooling your children. All right, that's it for this week. Live and learn your way. My name is Jackie, and I am your host of the Homeschool Think Tank Parenting Podcast. Bye-bye. I want to say thank you for listening to the Homeschool Think Tank Parenting Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd like to ask you to take a moment to follow this podcast and share it with a friend. Remember to check the show notes for a link to the article that corresponds with this podcast episode. In this article, we'll include any links that we mentioned in this episode. And remember that you can search all of the Homeschool Think Tank parenting podcast episodes at homeschoolthinktank.com.